Hey there, and welcome to the One Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. If you'd like to know more about life at One Church, visit us online at weareone.church or check us out on social media. Morning, One Church. It's great to see you today. What a privilege to serve you in uh, my ministry to you today. I was listening to someone the other day and they were ragging on the church. And uh, it wasn't our church, I, I don't think it was anyway, but it could have been, I guess. Uh, and they clearly had a bad experience and they were venting their pain and their anguish and they were judging their, the church through the same microcosm of their insights. All the billions of Christians worldwide, the millions of churches worldwide, the tens of thousands of pastors worldwide, all demonised through this one lens. Now I don't doubt the pain of their experience and, I, and I'm not even going to try and defend the mistakes of those concerned. And for that matter, uh, the church is flawed, I, I admit it fully. But you've got to admit it's an easy shot, or some would say it's a cheap shot, particularly when administered from a platform of anonymity and pride. I guess it's easy to shoot our mouth off in lockdown. I don't know if you've done that, particularly when social media is your only outlet. It's just your fingers hovering over something and you find yourself venting over something. I just remember when I was at school, in junior school, we had a brilliant assembly and it's always stuck in my mind where the the teacher said, remember, when you're pointing at someone, there's always three fingers pointing at yourself. And I suppose we've all done it, haven't we, at some point? We are family after all. I know I've dissected the preacher and the poor worship leader and the inappropriate comment from the youth leader all over Sunday lunch. I guess we've all done it at some point ourselves. The worship was too loud or too fast or too quiet or it just dragged on or the worship leader had ripped jeans or should have had ripped jeans and was too conservative and uh, the preacher just told stories and used far too many scriptures and the truth is it says more about ourselves than actually what happened in the service. I'm pushing the envelope to make a point really, because the truth is I've had lots and lots of positive response from people about how we've served the church and how the church has served in this COVID season. But if we're really honest, we all have had a bit of a moan every now and then. It's probably too easy to demonise the church. In our staff meeting the other day, we've been studying the book of Timothy. And in our devotion, Sue Jordan was covering 1 Timothy chapter 3 and talked about her experiences of serving in church as a girl. She talked about turning up at church when she was 11 years old to help with the cleaning. And her task, her first task, was to clean the chairs. And she whizzed through them really quickly in around about 20 minutes. And she came back and said, I've done it. And they said, well, should we go and have a look at what you've done? And her supervisor turned the chairs upside down, exposed all that chewing gum and all the stuff that's been left over from the children's club the night before. And she said, listen, when you clean in God's house, clean those chairs as if the queen were going to sit on it. And she still carries that mantra today. She still has a desire to create a space that's safe and clean for people to encounter Jesus, to find love and acceptance for people to come home. 
She used the scripture in 1 Timothy 3 verse 14. Let me read it to you. It says, I'm writing these things to you now even though I hope to be with you soon, so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. People must know how to conduct themselves in the house of God. Now the plan is in place. Boris has told us, we're coming back and we're going to be coming back to church and we need to remind ourselves how to conduct ourselves in the household of God. Sue learned how to conduct herself in God's house. When I first moved to Gloucester with my wife Ali, Sue and her husband Andy were here to help us and she simply helped wherever she was needed. I need some help with administration. So she stepped up and helped there. It set the foundation and the beginning of the hub that we have today that serves all our locations. When leading meetings, I would often turn to her halfway through and without warning, hand her the microphone and say, Sue, get up and sing. And she'd look at me with those big eyes and gulp and then she'd take hold of it and jump onto the platform. This platform I'm standing here and she would start to sing with such an anointing and that girl can sing. She has helped in kids work, choirs, church planting, funerals and safeguarding. The list would go on and on and on because she loves God's house. She wouldn't call herself a pastor or an elder or anything with a title, she just loves God's house. She learned how to conduct herself in God's house. And this whole chapter that she quoted from in Timothy is geared to key responsibilities in God's house. And if I could highlight one in particular, it's the role of the deacon. This word deacon or diakonos literally means a servant or a minister. And it appears 29 times in the New Testament. And those words, servant or minister, are interchangeable. A minister is a servant and a servant is a minister. The house of God needs a pastor and a diakonos, a deacon. In Old Testament times, most of the items in the temple were made or overlaid with gold. The candlestick, which represented the presence of God, so was constantly lit, was made of gold. And we can easily give honour to the servant of God, carrying the fire and the mantle of the presence of God, anointed by the Holy Spirit. I, you and I have sat in some meetings, uh, actually we've sat in our front rooms, in our pyjamas, I'm not saying anybody's name here, but we've listened to some really anointed, Holy Spirit anointed, fire-fueled preaching, messages of hope and conviction. And we've all hit the, uh, our, our comments bar and made comments to say, that is so good, that was amazing, you're on fire. And we're quick to honour the gold in those messages, and rightly so. They are the candlestick, giving light, helping us see the truth. But what about the candlestick snuffer? Someone had to turn the lights out after everyone had gone home. 
That's not exactly a glamorous role, is it? But here's the thing. The candle snuffer and the candlestick were made of the same gold. The minister and the servant come from the same melting chamber. Those words are interchangeable. And so I say to the pastor, never forget how to serve. And I say to the deacon, never forget how to minister. I've had enough of some demonising the church. I think it's time we started to deaconise the church. I turn my attention to our current situation, our COVID situation. Have you had your jab yet? It's coming soon. This is a strange time and we keep talking about the strange times that we're all living through. But we are now digging our way out. And what are we digging our way out into? In Isaiah 61, it says this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. This word freed or freedom literally means release. It refers to the year of Jubilee where all debts are cancelled. This is a message of hope that we are to bring. It came in the Old Testament, it comes in the New. A message of hope. All debts are cancelled. When it talks about the poor, it talks about people of low social status or outsiders, people on the edge, people who haven't been embraced. If you want, if you want in the story of the lost sheep, they're the one who are lost on the outside. There's a message of hope that if you are lost, Jesus is calling to you today. Your debts of sin can be cancelled. You are free. You are set free. Verse 2 says this, He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favour has come, and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory." They will rebuild the ancient ruins. Right, see this. If you've got a Bible, underline this for yourself. Like, they will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them, though they have been deserted for many generations. Look at those three words beginning with R. Rebuild, repair, revive. This is the very same passage that Jesus used uh, in Luke chapter 4 when he was bringing a prophetic word to his generation. He says that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, it says in Luke chapter 4, because he has anointed me to bring good news, to set the captive free. This scripture you have heard has been fulfilled this very day. Jesus went into his local church, opened the scroll, rolled it open, turned to this scripture and he said those words that I've just read to you. And then he looked at everybody and said, I am the fulfillment of these words. And then Jesus said, 
I am putting my authority in you, the church, to be the fulfilment of these words. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon one church to rebuild, to repair and to revive. We are not here to restore things to how we left them last year. We are here to restore things to how God intends them to be. Do you get that one church? We are here to bring the good news of restoration to where things God intends them to be. His kingdom here on earth. Ancient ruins will be rebuilt. Ancient ruins that are lost causes. Prodigal sons and daughters. Other things that you thought, oh, that's just, that's just a lost cause. That son of mine, that daughter of mine that I had, I was hoping for and I, I thought something was going to work out, but they just seemed to have wandered away like the prodigal son. Let me speak over you today. Ancient ruins, lost causes will be rebuilt. Jesus still invests into lost causes. Destroyed cities are like the forgotten dreams or those promises that never seem to come round. They will be repaired. Rebuilding and repairing and revival will come. These are words that are for the church today. Listen, let me be a prophetic speaker into you, into your family, into this church today. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon us. One church, two, rebuild, two, repair, two, revive. And revival takes hard graft. I'm calling the church to be a church of prayer, to have a passion for the lost, to remember why we are here on this earth. I used to think the revival was something that just happened, a, a sovereign move of God. And to a degree, that is true. But let me tell you something. I realise now that God moves sovereignly in a person before it impacts a people. Revival begins when I'm brushing my teeth in the morning. I get up and I look in the mirror. And I think, oh my goodness, where's my hair gone? Oh my goodness, I used to have colour in that hair. What's happening to me? And those lines on my face. And I pick up my toothbrush and I put my toothpaste on it and I put it under the, the tap. And I start to just do the mundane, the, the normal thing that I do in the morning. And something stirs in me. A revival begins in me. As I start to pray this simple prayer, my hands are yours today, Jesus. My words are yours today, as I'm going to the molars. My wealth is yours today. My time is yours today. I am yours today. I am am an outworking of revival today. Imagine a church that operates in a personal revival. That is a deaconized church. Come on, let's get that church serving again. I don't know if you've seen one of those cowboy movies 
where the bank has been robbed and the sheriff calls the community to his office and he says, I deputise you to have authority to catch these bandits. Oh, something like that. I think that's more Dukes of Hazard than anything else. But use your imagination. I deputise you to have authority to catch these bandits. And I say now with everything that is within me, I deputise you to become pastors and deacons to restore God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Now I know, some of you, if you know your Bible, You'd be going, ah, oh, Simon, I'm not sure everyone could be a pastor. And I'm not sure that everyone could be a deacon. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's true. I get it. I agree. Simon, there's always a problem. You've got too many cooks in the kitchen, too many chiefs and not many. You know, you know where I'm going here. But let me say to you, surely we can be aspirational. I know too many cooks spoil the broth, but if we could also have too many cooks, it means we haven't got enough restaurants. Why can't we be aspirational? Why can't we all aspire to be a diaconos, to be a deacon, to be a minister, to be a servant in God's house, someone who knows how to conduct themselves in the household of God? This would mean we'd have to plant and repurpose more churches. What an opportunity. What if we all set a goal to serve, to be a role model that pleased God? And even if no one notices, we know God sees, because that's the motive of our heart. For us all to be mini signposts, all pointing to Jesus by our acts of service. I don't have time to outline the qualities of a deacon, but write these things down quickly. Grab hold of a pen or get your thumbs out on, onto your iPhone and write this. If you aspire to serve in God's house, to be a deacon, here's a summary of 1 Timothy chapter 3. Number one, make sure what you do when everyone lo is looking is equal to what you do when no one is looking. That is integrity. Number two, practice self-control. Remember it's a fruit of the spirit so it grows through remaining in the vine and not straining and trying, especially with your generosity. Practice generosity, practice hospitality and practice your attitude to others. Number three, be full of faith for the future. Why? Because the best is yet to come. I totally and utterly believe this. My best days are still ahead of me. And number four, sharpen your relationship with Jesus. And number five, everything that is already your responsibility, do it with panache. Do it with style. If you're a dad, be a great dad. If you're a mum, be a great mum. If you're a husband, be a great husband. If you're a wife, be a great wife. If you are an employee, be an amazing employee. If you're an employer, become the best employer you know. Whatever's already in your hands, do it with some style. Because if you are faithful with the small things, God will give you greater. If this is the first time you're looking in, welcome to church. There's space there's a place for you too. We need all the help we can get. So welcome home. Come in.
there's a chair for you. We want to introduce you to Jesus today who saves and heals, who restores and gives us purpose. With one small prayer of repentance, you can inherit all of God's grace and forgiveness. Church, whatever your location, if you're listening to me today, join me in this prayer. God, as we rise from this pandemic, we offer our hands and hearts to you. Start a revival in me. Whether I'm the candle or the candle snuffer, I am covered by your golden grace and I'm ready to serve, to conduct myself properly in the household of God. In Jesus' name, amen.